Hi, this is Greg Anderson, and this is the Living in Carver County podcast. It's an insider's guide to the people who make Carver County the best place to live, work, and raise a family. Today, I am super excited because I'm sitting next to a bunch of really old whiskey and bourbon and all kinds of spirits in the historic Traska uh, Depot uh, with my friend Dan Keyport. And Dan is somebody I'm super excited to interview. I've known Dan for a really long time. And now that Lars Ackerberg has passed away, Dan is now officially the most interesting person in Carver County. So Dan, thank you for letting me come in. Um, I like to start things off, maybe just tell people a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and how is it that you came to be in Carver County? Okay, uh, great question. Well, I was born and raised in St. Paul. Um, I went, I'm one of the few triple Tommies you'll ever meet. And that is I went to St. Thomas Academy, the College of St. Thomas, and then the University of St. Thomas. So I've got degrees from all three. And um, But uh, I uh, worked in uh, consulting for many years, uh, traveled a lot, and when Georgianne and I decided to have kids, we uh, I tried to dial back in the consulting and got into technology. And um, so I was uh, managing servers and networks and programmers, and, and, um, and so we, you know, and, and for many of those years, um, my work was on the west end of the metro, and we lived in St. Paul. And Georgianne worked at one point in Chaska at uh, Beckman Coulter, and and uh, so she was commuting a long ways, and I was commuting a long ways, and we decided, well, let's move to the west end of town. And so, in uh, 1993, we decided to build out here, and that's when I first met you. Was when we. Uh, we're uh, looking at homes, and the, the, our neighborhood in Falls Curve at the time was a muddy lot with a silo, and that's about where our house. <laughs> I think landed, the heifer so. barn was right about where your house is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and we'll, you know, part of our family lore is when our middle son Ben was <laughs> visiting a model with you and put his hand on the fireplace oh, and, yeah. and was young enough not to know to remove the hand to stop the burning and he screamed for... I think I did a dive. <laughs> for a long time when that, that had to really hurt that poor little guy. But um, He recovered. But he did recover and he's a fine young man today. So, so in any event, we finally did move out here and... Um, Georgian worked for Life Corps, and at that time, so uh, that was a much better commute for her. Um, and then my business got sold, and I was commuting back to Egan, so that uh, that didn't work out quite as well for me. But uh, uh, eventually reached a point where um, I got kind of burned out in my work, and decided to uh, take some time off and kick around ideas. And so I uh, spent the summer as the nanny for the kids and explore different ways to uh, start my own business, which is something I'd always wanted to do. And I stumbled across this concept of a wine shop and uh, thought, well, that just sounds really interesting. And so I did, did that. We're going to hit a pause right now. All right, so you were, we, this is the benefit of being in an active business during active business hours. Is no, customers come in, which is a good thing. Yeah. So um, you were saying, so the concept of a wine, of, yeah, of so getting into a wine store? Franchise operations and couldn't get my arms around the franchise idea. Um, and uh, finally, I actually toured a shop in St. Paul uh, called The Wine Thief. And I met the owner and I scratched my head and said, you know, if this guy can do it, I can do it. So, <laughs> so I um, 
So I kind of searched for property, found this people building, bought it, did the renovation. Uh, it was a lot of work. The building was in rough, rough shape. Um, there was, yeah, everything was done with duct tape and baling wire, so we had to, had to do a ton of work. But um, So we uh, renovated the building and started the wine shop. And um, For those of you, I'm going to jump in here just a second. It's the, um, the yellow brick building on the corner of what used to be 212, which is Chaska Boulevard and Highway 41. And it's yeah. just an incredibly charming, historic building. It's the old yellow Chaska brick. And... We've just done a great job with the remodel. I was so impressed with the job because I'd looked at it too before yeah, when it was yeah, raw space. Yeah. And you're right; it was pretty much duct tape and barbed wire and right. and paneling. Right, right. Like, yeah, office <laughs> really, paneling, really crappy paneling. Serving the function as walls. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah was, so I mean, it's so, it's gorgeous in here. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't been here, it's worth it just to come in and just to see the um, what a nice job they did with renovating it. So I'm sorry. So well, I jumped no, in, but I, you know, it's interesting to me that um, starting a business like this. Uh, it's really called on all of the life skills I've developed over time. I mean, I, uh, my lifelong hobby has been woodworking, and so just the doing the renovation called on all of those skills, and all the uh, wooden display racks in here are things that I've built. Oh, cool. um, and, um, and my undergrad degree is in marketing, which is, of course, critical to what I do, and theater, which a lot of this is theater, too. So. I mean, all of that comes to play, um, and um, and I, you know, as a, a technology guy, I put in really good software and systems. You know, I have a strong point of sale system with, and now currently I have, uh, you know, a website with real time inventory, which is, you know, nobody else in Chaska has that, and and only the big guys typically have that. Um, but that's something that I felt was important, and that we've um, um, we've been. Um, real thrilled to be able to do so. So, um, so what? What mode? I mean, this—that's a pretty courageous leap. I mean, you had a pretty secure job. You had most likely a pension, and you know, I mean, all the trappings, health insurance, all the trappings of sort of corporate yeah. America. And I was always—I'm always fascinated when people do that kind of a, a switch and you know, kind of a course correction. I mean, what was it that really tipped you over that? Gave you the confidence that you could that you could make this work because you didn't really you didn't half-ass it. I mean, you you bought a building, you rehabbed a building, yeah, and yeah. you and you you know, and then you've got you know thousands and thousands of dollars of inventory. I mean, it's a it's a you're, was, you're in it, with it, both feet. It was a big step. Yeah, it was. You're taking a leap when you do that, and I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are really sick and tired and fed up with the whole corporate thing, but just can't make that leap because it, it's it's a big deal. I mean, it's. It I mean, was, you're betting everything. I mean, you, yeah, you're you, you still had kids at, at, in oh, school yeah, at we, the time. We, I mean, you're we, kind of betting the farm on this. We bet our life savings and we bet the house on this. So, I mean, it was a big bet. Um, now, I'm quite fortunate in that, um, you know, seven, about five years prior to this, Georgianne started her own business. So she's a consultant and she started a consulting firm um, to work in the regulatory area, which is... Um, you know, she's a scientist by training and then got into quality and regulatory and, and uh, really developed some pretty strong skills there. And at the time she started that, my business was hitting on all cylinders and it was good and we we're making money. And, and so she was able to take that chance and that flyer to go do that. And really what motivated her was she wanted the flexibility to see the kids off to school and be home when they came back. Uh -huh. and, uh, and that afforded her that opportunity. Um, but her business really took off, and she's been quite successful. And, and I always 
kid with people that uh, her success has allowed me to kind of toy with my little hobby business here. So. <laughs> so. Well, it, it can't be like what you said when if they can do it, I can do it because well, you and I both know she's the sharper knife in the drawer. Well, I'm just, <laughs> But yeah, but it's, you know, I, I will tell you that's not nearly as much money in, in wine as there was in IT. Well, that's sure. for sure. You know, uh -huh. But still. But I mean, now how many years has the store been open? We've been here 14 years. 14 years. Yeah, 14 so, I mean, and a half you, now, really. So. so for a small business, that's amazing. I mean, that puts yeah. you in a, I mean, you're in single yeah. digits in terms of percentiles, in terms yeah. of success rates. So. But it, it's hard work, too. I mean, it's a lot of hours, and it's, um, I've, I've been real blessed to have great employees and you know and I've said it before and I'll tell it to anybody that you know they're I, 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 most of them are better at wine than I am some of them by a lot which is fantastic uh, and that translates into great service for our customers because you know if you're having salmon on the grill what should you have with that and I got people that can really you know, really dial that really in. Really dial that in. And, I want to come back job, and talk so, about wine yeah. at the end a little bit yeah. if we've got some time. Um, there's a couple other things I really wanted to talk about yeah. because you mentioned the marketing aspect and, yeah. and one of the things that, that I've always admired about you is, is how committed you are to the community. I mean, the things that you're involved yeah. with. I mean, you're past president of the Rotary Club. You're you know, you're a down, you're chair of the downtown council. You've been on the city planning commission. Yeah. So, I mean, what was the motivation behind that, behind getting involved? I mean, well, you know, it's um, when we when we first moved to Chaska, um, we had a choice of sending our kids to Guardian Angel School or um, uh, Chanhassen. What's the uh, I'm blanking on the name of it there, but the Saint Hubert. Saint Hubert. Saint Hubert. <laughs> and, and, uh, I didn't get struck down by lightning. Yes, <laughs> Saint Hubert's is has a lot more resources than Guardian Angels has ever had and probably will ever have. Um, but I, I really felt like if we're going to be in a community, you want to be in the community. You want to, you know, be invested in it and be involved in it. And, and so that was important to me. And uh, when I started the business, I remember Paul Moss, who was at Community Bank at the time, now Charter Bank, uh, was doing the loan on the building and he said, you should come to this Rotary Club. And, and uh, we, we act like first graders, but we have a good time. And it's and I, and I did, and I, I really uh, connected with the Rotary and discovered the joy of being part of the community. You know, that, that really made it work for me. Um, and I could see that that was good for my business, but it's, it's good for your business in the sense that um, people want to buy from people they know, like, and trust. And at Rotary, you get to know people. You know, and that's that's what. So, and I've joined other networking groups, and I get referrals, and I get business from that. But um, I get more from my network of people that I know well, and that's Rotary because I have breakfast with them every week, you know, and, and have for many years. Um, and uh, you know, Georgiana always says that we, um, you know, we we know way more people now as a small business owner in a community than we would have ever known had just been commuting to a job outside of the city you oh, know, sure, somewhere. Sure. Um, well, and you yeah. kind of jumped in with both feet. I mean, you were got involved with the board of directors. You hosted exchange students. I yeah. mean, you kind of did a, you yeah. went for it. Yeah. I mean, is that, that seems to be a pattern for you. Is that accurate? That you kind of, when you do something, you kind of do it with both feet? Yes, I do. I, I you know, I, I set big goals and I 
work at them forever. You know? We're going to talk about one of your big goals, okay. too. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, George Ann says on our first date, I told her, one day I'm going to open a business. <laughs> I'm going to have my own business. And, and now she did it before I did, and it was never her goal. But, uh, but it's, uh, you know, I love being a business owner in a small town. I mean, it's just, it's a great lifestyle. It's, it's hard work, and it's challenging at times, you know, for lots of reasons. But, uh, um, but I... You know, in my old world, when someone came into my office, it's because they had a problem. Now when they come in my office, it's because they're having a party. <laughs> different dynamic. Just the whole dynamic of the yeah. place is different. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so, that's... So, okay, so talk about, like, you know, uh, your time with the city. I mean, because obviously being on the planning commission, I mean, the best you're going to do is piss off half the people. Well, yeah, and that's... <laughs> and so those kinds of, you know, and, I mean, so it's not right. just, like, business. It's not just sort of a quid pro quo for business. It's, you know, you're doing things from a community standpoint. So oh, yeah, what, what yeah. motivated that? I mean, was it well, just... Well, just, again, it's, it's uh, for, for selfish reasons, it's just nice to be dialed in and know what's going on and what's coming up. You know, sure. that's that's interesting. Um, and... Um, and it's a way of giving back and and um, and staying involved. Um, you know that yeah, there are things that you vote on on the planning commission that are going to piss people off no matter what you do. Um, and you know, I've had wine club members, good customers of the store, kind of spitting nails about something that they didn't want to happen or did want to happen, and and I you know I didn't always agree with them and and. Uh, you know, you have to do what you think is right, uh, and um, and for that reason, I've never really been interested in pursuing any other offices. You know, I don't right. want to be on the city council particularly because, you know, they get the hard decisions. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Um, and uh, and there are people that will swear you off if you're not on their side for any number of issues. Right. So. And it seems like we've gotten a lot more polarized. Just everything yeah. has kind of trickled down into yeah. what, for a long time, local government seemed to be sort of apolitical. It was yeah. either you're in favor of, a, you know, an expansion on a municipal building or you're not. It didn't right. become. It wasn't an ideological battle like it's become right, in right, the right. last, you know, half dozen years yeah. or so. Yeah. But all right, so so city. So then you. So you're no longer on the planning commission. Right. Right. I, I termed out on that. You can have two terms. I think or three. Whatever. In, uh, uh, done with that. I'm, I'm currently president of the Chaska Downtown Business Alliance. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. What's the mission there? What are they trying to well, accomplish? Well, it's it's um, it's a group that really formed not long long after I opened my business. Started out as part of the um, uh, Chaska Chamber of Commerce, then the Chaska Area Chamber of Commerce, and then the Southwest Metro Chamber of Commerce. And um, when you know, the Chamber of Commerce kind of had to grow in order to survive. That's a tough business right. to be in. And um, in growing, they lose sometimes a little focus on, you know... It, it broader Chaska. focus, yeah, right. Broader it's more, focus. Of a buck, more of a buckshot instead so we, of a so rifle. So we felt like we needed a little bit more focus for, for just downtown Chaska. Because, um, boy, in 2008 and 09, when we were starting this up, things were bad. You know, it, yeah. there was a lot of empty storefronts and... And so the businesses that were here banded together and said, we need to make Chaska a great place to live, work, and do business. And, and so that's what we're about. Um, and really, uh, at, at one point, um, we were encouraged to uh, develop a, or form a special services district, which is a 
taxing district allowed for in state law um, whereby a community, a business community, can vote to tax themselves through the property tax system in order to raise funds for specific objectives. And um, so we went around and knocked on doors and talked to business owners and property owners and said, hey, we want to do this and here's what we're going to do with the money and are you in? And, and so the businesses have to vote yes to tax themselves. Um, and so we've had now for uh, five or six years a, a special services district that comprises of really just historic downtown. Um, that, uh, and we use that money to pay for what I'll call boots on the ground, you know, because the struggle we had prior to that was it's a bunch of business owners that are really busy running their businesses trying to do all this stuff. And you can only do so much. Well, and then know? when it was regional, they were trying to do stuff in Chan, Victoria, yeah, Harvard, yeah, Chaska. So, but even, you know, you know just you, you so. burn people out because there's only so much you can do. You know, you're working your business 60 or 70 hours a week, and then you want to go do something for the Downtown Business Alliance. That's pretty And then tough a planning ask. commission and a hundred club. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so we have, with this uh, money from the Special Services District, hired a, an administrator who is our boots on the ground, and she has the time to do the marketing and the social media and the mailings and the and go talk to people to find out what they're doing and what's happening and what's coming up and and uh, that has been terrific. I mean, we've we've done and and a lot of our our money goes to marketing and promoting the businesses. You know, if I put a Facebook post out, the Downtown Business Alliance amplifies that. Sure, you know. Um, and uh, or if I'm looking for, try to fill a, a lease space, you know, they'll put it on their website. So there's, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the decals on the sidewalks now and the, and the Adirondack chairs that are around town that are painted by local artists. I mean, well, and it was kind of with, stuff. The, with the Arts Consortium. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's, um, there's just a lot going on. Now, we also do events like the, um, you know, we're involved we support River City Days, but we have uh, typically a, a fall event. Um, you know, the Second Street Block Party that would, that's just been our event uh, that has now kind of joined forces with Guardian Angels, Angel Fest, and the Shram House Oktoberfest. And of course, this year events are. I was just going to say, and it'll probably be all on know, hold and not happening. But yeah. um, so, um, so that's been a challenge this year, but. But it's just keeping businesses informed. But one of the major roles of that Downtown Business Alliance is to act as the voice of the business community to the city. Okay. And we've been really lucky that we've had great relationships with city staff. Well, and I think um, city's pretty receptive to business oh, yeah, you they, know, in general. I mean, yeah, they, they want they, us to succeed. And, right. And the mission, you know, the, having a historic downtown is a, a But when I look around option. at the other little cities around here, some of them have some pretty contentious business, city government relationships. Right. Um, and pretty negative and pretty political and pretty fiery and we don't have that we you know they want to help us and we you know we, we have an opportunity through this downtown business alliance to keep those lines of communication open and to understand each other and that's been really really valuable yeah. so um, well I, I mean I think in the curling center is kind of a great example of something that the city gets behind you yeah. know I mean I People were remember when that was when they were talking about it, it's like curling. I don't curl, so why yeah. would we do that? Or yeah, or, yeah I curl. We should do that. What a crazy idea! Right, yeah. and it's but it was the wrong question. You know, yeah. the, they were people were asking the question: Is should we have a curling center? It wasn't. It wasn't. Didn't really necessarily matter that it was curling. It was, 
you know, if having a, you know, there's a presupposition that having a historic downtown is valuable. Yeah. And so if that's the case, what makes it valuable? It's not real estate offices or attorneys or title companies. It's, you know, it's, it's wine shops, it's, it's, it's bakeries. It's, and, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's a, the things some that, livelihood, some right. activity, some liveliness, some activity. Right. And so the question I think that, you know, whether they asked it directly or not was how do we get people from outside the area to come to Chaska yeah. on nights and weekends with their families and hang around? And through that lens, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Without that question, it's like, why the hell would they build well, this that, thing? Well, that and really all goes back to that. There was a downtown master plan process that I was deeply involved with, and lots of people were. And um, that really was 08, 09 when we did all that mm -hmm. planning, saying, and, and, you know, the curling rink is a direct byproduct of that because sure. we identified that corner as don't know what, but it needs to be something that draws people into downtown. Right. That's the purpose of that corner, the highest and best use of that corner. Um, and you know, well, and people about, from outside the area, because well, otherwise, yeah. oh, you're yeah. just, otherwise yeah. you're just trading dollars. I mean, right, I right. buy my wine from you, you, you buy a house from me, you, we buy insurance from, right, right, you know, right. from Lori. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you've got this little just like well, a, money bouncing around where you so, get people coming in, it's, it, everybody, it raises the yeah. tide and all the ships go up, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. so so yeah, that was the downtown master plan was really a key for a lot of things. You know, it gave the city focus. It you know, and the business community supported it, and it was all it was all good. Neat. So. so talk a little bit about you know we we we, we mentioned alluded to uh, you know this year, you know talk a little bit about how you've had to pivot um, this year you know sure. given the pandemic and and what you've been able to do to thrive. I, you know, I know Andy's had to. You know, do some things, and yeah. um, when, I, when I say Andy, I mean Andy Mooney with Red Bench, who we've had on the podcast. Um, but talk a little bit well, about you know, how you my, how you managed to do that. My marketing prior to the pandemic was largely event-based marketing. Tasting nights and Friday the, night tastings, wine classes, spirit seminars, charitable events, both at the shop and off-site, um, and pretty much all of that stopped. Yeah. Um, and but what happened was because the state closed everything down, um, but deemed liquor stores to be an essential business, um, our business level thank God for lobbyists went, went way up. <laughs> but you know, back in in March and April, um, the, there was a lot of fear and uncertainty and angst about you know working in a retail in a pandemic you know my employees were upset and concerned and had sure, every sure. right to be and i was i mean and how do we stay safe and how do we do this now that's where it comes back to my it background turned out to be a really good thing because we already had set up a delivery service we worked with drizzly for it's an app on the iphone where if you um live in this vicinity within 15 minutes of the store and you want to buy liquor on your iPhone you can do that and we'll be there within an hour so we already had built the infrastructure for that here in the store again integrated with our point of sale so they had real time so people weren't ordering stuff that we didn't have and sure and so that was a big deal that business exploded during the pandemic because nobody can go out so they have it delivered um, and the other thing was curbside pickup so we had this real-time online website with all of our inventory in real time. Mm -hmm. um, 
so again, so people don't order things that we don't have, so we don't have to sit here on the phone and spend 15 minutes to take a... Wandering around looking to see around, if it's here. Do you have this, and what size do you have, and blah, blah, you know, right, that right. just... And we don't have that many people here to do that. So, um, <laughs> so that business exploded. So my business in April was double a normal month. Wow. I mean, so we, we boomed. Uh, and we actually worked less hours. And we weren't doing events, and so life was easier in many respects. It just while we were here, we were busy. Um, and then um, things have calmed down considerably since then, but I would still say we're probably running at about a 25% growth rate right now. That's terrific. Um, so, so things have been, have been good, but I think that growth is all in curbside and delivery. Sure. That's where the growth Well, and then for you, so, I mean, you're such a service base, so once you get people into the, once they become a client, yeah. then, they, you know. Well, and I really think the curbside is a permanent thing. It's here. I mean, well, I was just going to talk about that. love it. Yeah. You know, you, you think about it, you're driving home after picking up the kids from school, assuming you can still do that in the dead of winter and it's cold. You don't have to get out of your car. You don't have to get the kids out of the car seat. You can just... I'm here, bring it out, and we run it out. Sure. Um, I think a lot of businesses are going to, that's going to be the, the, the outcome of this pandemic is yeah. it's not an either or. You know, people keep talking. I think there's some short-sightedness when people keep saying when it gets back to normal, when it gets back yeah. to normal. And I think there is a, it's not going to go back to the way it was. It's going to be a yes and. It's not going to yeah. be, you yeah. know, it's yeah. like the, the wireless or the paperless versus paper. It's not, a, it's not one or the other. It's a yes and. And I think... Yeah. You know, from a delivery standpoint, like Zoom. I mean, look at the oh, yeah. the the rapid adaptation of Zoom. I mean, right. you know, you, there's a lot, a couple of groups that you and I are involved with, and there's a good number of people on there who wouldn't have voluntarily yeah. Yeah. learned that technology that we're just sort of forced to. And I don't think we're going to go back to where people aren't using it because yeah. it's just so time effective. Right, 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 right. So, so you guys were able to pivot and and do well yeah. with that. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about, you know, what this is. I, and, and maybe, I, I know there's a lot more people that are a lot more sophisticated when it comes to spirits and wine than I am. I mean, I tend to be a guy who buys uh, labels, you okay. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or if I want to be very clever, I'll use a spectator guide. But what's a good way for somebody that's a novice to just really, you know, they want to maybe raise their game and, you know, have a little more sophisticated palate. You know, what do you recommend people do to, you know, to become more worldly with respect to wines well I, the number one thing of course go to tastings when they're available and just try things you know you'll find stuff you never would have tried and and uh, so that's a real good thing what i when i think about how we market here which is the flip side of that there's like four or five things that people use as guideposts in making a decision um probably the number one thing is clerk recommendation Okay. And so we, our, our people will ask you some probing questions to try to gauge your understanding level and your palate, you know, um, because just the language of wine is difficult. So the words people use will kind of give us, okay, they're at this level of understanding or they're at this level of understanding. Um, and then based on the words they use, all right, do they want this style or that style or this is something that'll work. Um, so cork recommendation is a big thing. Um, had it before is a big thing. Um, wine label is a big, packaging is a big thing. Um, magazine article or you know okay. you know that I read about you know this wine in a magazine. Do you have it? I want to try it. Or I read about it in a on a website or on a, on my phone. Somewhere. Cooking so, show or something. Yeah, yeah. And so I got to try that. Um, 
so those are, um, and then we also have, um, and then there's trade ratings, you know, if the wine gets a good score from Robert Parker or Wine Enthusiast magazine, we'll put that on the wine. And then some people use that as, oh, I don't like the Wine Enthusiast ratings, but I really like the Robert Parker ratings. So okay. he likes what I like. So if he rates it good, I'm going to try it. Do that. you have a preference between the two? I do. I actually like Parker better than, okay. than any of the magazines. And and his is a, a excellence 90 and above, typically, or uh, 80 and above? Yeah, or? yeah. It's a, it's a nominally 100-point scale. I've never seen anything below an 85. <laughs> so we're okay. clearly a 15-point so, scale. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing above 99. Well, and, <laughs> no, there are some 100 points. We actually have some 100-point oh, wines here in the store, and they're they're spendy. Yeah, but I would they're, imagine they're that would considered some of the best in the world. Okay. Know, so... And then do you have a preference? I know a lot of the wines, it, I mean, I, when I look around your store, I see that they're um, separated geographically. Yeah. You know, is there, a, is there a, an area of the world that's more readily available to a novice than other areas? Yeah, I think California is easier to navigate uh, for a novice because uh, they'll tell you what the grapes are and, um, and they'll give you visual cues on the label as to flavor and style, you know, like... Uh, Belle Creme de Lis Chardonnay is going to be a creamy Chardonnay, you know, because sure. it's got the word creme in it, you know, <laughs> and La Crema, and uh, okay, that's going to be creamy too, all right. <laughs> like on the limb and say it's yeah. got a creamy taste. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and we... Because <laughs> Bud, I don't get smarter with Budweiser. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so. All right, I'll be here on the tip your yeah. waitress. <laughs> and we... Um, we, you know, our our market strategy here is we're, we're, we try to deliver value at every price point, good quality for the money at every price point. So our ten dollar wines, we want to have the best ten dollar wines that we can find. You okay. know, and our hundred dollar wines, there's a lot of them we say no to that just like how can that be a hundred dollars? You know, when we sample it, and we because we go to a lot of trade shows and we have vendors coming in every week with a shoulder bag full of wines to try, and we we probably sample twenty for every one we bring in. Um, so we're, we're trying to be thoughtful in our selection and people that are in the trade that walk into the store and say, this is a really thoughtful selection. I mean, you're obviously a, a well curated, well curated. Uh, it's not national brands stacked, you know, it's, sure. so yeah, I can't find a Boone's farm to save uh, my uh, life. Yeah. Anymore. Yellowtail, <laughs> you know, you know, we just, that, that's not who we are. So we, sure. we're, um, and because we do so many tasting events, the staff is generally familiar with most of the wines. They have most of them, most of the staff have tasted most of the wines. So that's um, that's a real advantage, you know. Nice. Um, so okay, so this this is actually a good segue because I know that you get opportunity to taste a lot of wine outside of regular tastings yeah. through your kind of your little hobby that you have. Yes. So maybe let's talk about that. Um, What's your? How close are you to your big goal? And um, <laughs> share your big goal with people, well, and how that's kind of incorporated into the store. And yeah, you know, I um, set this goal when I was in my twenties. It was on my when I was a consultant, and I, another consultant who had done also a fair amount of domestic travel, was talking about there's this club called the Traveler's Century Club, and the only way to join is if you've traveled to a hundred countries. And I thought, well, that sounds really cool. I want to do that, so I set that as a goal. And uh, I had already traveled a bit. I first went to Europe when I was 15 years old to visit a childhood friend of mine whose family had moved over there and had the opportunity to have a Eurail pass and a youth hostel card and just bop around Europe as a 15-year-old. And 
Uh, I vowed to come back because all the girls were older and they wanted nothing to do with a 15-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, so then when I graduated from uh, college, I took a year off and hitchhiked around the world and got oh, in cool. a bunch more countries that way. So, um, so that was that was a great year. Um, but yeah, I'm at uh, currently at 98 countries on the Traveler Century Club list of countries, territories, and places is what they call their list. Okay. Um, and because uh, there's not everybody agrees what's a country, so they've come uh. up with, <laughs> well, they've curated a list, and they said, well, we're we're going to say that this is whether you like it or not. This our our list, and it's it is. Okay. So, um, but they look for places that are geographically, politically, and ethnically distinct. So that they'll call a country. Um, so um, we were actually scheduled to get 99 and 100 um, in August, and that didn't happen. So sure, um, we uh, our, my kids, you know, have known about this, of course, because we've drugged them along on a lot of these trips, and they all have 20 or 30 countries of their own, you know, that that they've been to, and uh, they uh, they said, well, Dad, you know, this is a really big deal, and we need to be there with you to help you celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how they work that in. Yeah. In other words, bring us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we had a family cruise planned, and it just it didn't happen, obviously. So, so I really don't know. You know, Georgiana and I have talked. We don't know even when we can book. Okay. So, what are so, the last two countries? Well, there's there's 300 to choose from. On, okay, on but, list, I mean, but but of the ones that you've targeted. Well, the the two ha, that had you gone on the cruise, what would they have been? Oh, they would have been. Um, uh, Gibraltar. So I've, I, I bet I was within 10 miles of Gibraltar when I went from Spain to Morocco one time, but I never did go to Gibraltar. Okay. Um, and uh, and then there's a place just off the coast of Bar Barcelona called the Balearic Islands that don't feel bad if you've never heard of it. I had never heard of it. I had and, never, yeah. It was yeah. feeling a little bit like a rube, but... Well, it's I'm, like, <laughs> okay, Balearic Islands. I've been to Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the reason we picked that is because we could do a Mediterranean cruise with the family, and we got a grandbaby that's you know under two, and we wanted safe and easy. Sure, and sure. So that was those two places were kind of safe and easy for for a big group with a little baby. Okay, so, so out of the hundred or 90, 98, Yeah. What's the opposite of safe and easy? What were the what were the probably the most challenging Actually, places that you've been? Probably the most challenging places I've been is Morocco, which was. A, Difficult place when I was there. Um, political unrest or uh, just? No, that was uh, culturally very different. Um, they, I remember when I got off the boat from Spain. I was I met an English kid and we were walking off the boat, and we were swarmed by young people harassing us, and they took his glasses and held them hostage for money, you know, and they. Um, you know, they wanted to sell us drugs, and they uh, followed us around, and, and he eventually, after about an hour of this, got back on the boat and went back to Spain. Said, oh, wow. This is just awful. And uh, I mean, just walking down the street, you'd be harassed so much by people trying to sell you drugs or take advantage of you, or I'm going to be your guide, and they'll run ahead, and now pay me, I was your guide. Um, it was just dreadful. And huh. uh, you'd, you'd dive into a restaurant just to get away from the people harassing you. So. You know, one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to is Morocco. Yeah, but at I, the time it I was watched just, a special. Oh, I'm trying to oh. think of what it was. I saw just saw something on um, on uh, in, kind of pandemic TV. You know, yeah. on uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, 
the thing that everybody the subscription uh, oh um, ah, I'm drawing a blank but okay. anyway it was um, Netflix oh, and yeah, it was one yeah. of these series one of yeah, these travel yeah, yeah. series with All a chef right. and they were in Morocco and it looked amazing oh it's absolutely gorgeous you know but again, I found it to be a very difficult place okay. to travel. So, what was your favorite place? Oh boy, you know, um, favorite recent places. Um, we went with some neighbors uh, to um, Machu Picchu, which I love, 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 love that. Okay. That was totally cool. I mean, the Inca, the technology that the Incas had, and the, the terracing and oh yeah, just, just yeah, gorgeous and exotic. And Fun and interesting, um, and I went with my daughter to um, Easter Island. Okay, and that's on my short list of fantastic places on Earth. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, you go to Santiago, Chile, and fly seven hours across the ocean, and and the Polynesians got there by canoe. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap! <laughs> And they talked about how they did that and how they could navigate it. And there's this 400 miles from the nearest island and 1,000 miles from the nearest landmass. I mean, it's just bizarre. Uh, and it was a totally cool place. Um, I, I uh, really liked um, India. I thought the Taj Mahal was one of the most beautiful buildings on the planet. Okay. Um, Great Wall of China is pretty extraordinary. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Galapagos. We like natural history. My wife and I took our honeymoon in Australia on the Great Barrier Reef. Okay. And um, that's extraordinary. So there, I mean, the world is such yeah. a big, wonderful nice. place. Which is a cool thing. You know, you don't yeah. meet a lot of people who've been to Machu Picchu, and yeah. you know, um, so I have a family member who's done a lot of traveling, and so the places I'm like. She liked all the places that you mentioned. Okay. Not Easter. She didn't been to Easter yeah. Island, but but Machu Picchu and oh, yeah. Galapagos. You know, yeah, that was terrific. So. Lima was a challenge, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on my list of things to do, um, Antarctica's on my short list, South Africa's on my short list. Never been to New Zealand. Love to do that. Really? Um, yeah. Well, see now New Zealand. What I've been, I thought that would have been one of your first fifty, but no, all right. No. So once you hit the hundred, so you're not stopping. Oh no! Oh no! No, I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. All right. So what's next? What's what? I mean, when you think about the next ten years, what's your big hairy audacious goal? Well, um, you know, I, my goal for the business has always been to grow it to a point where it doesn't need me, and it's not there yet. Okay. So, because if it's at a point where it doesn't need me, then I could keep it or sell it, and it doesn't matter. Right. So. Then it's a business, not a job. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, I, and I've always kind of viewed the business as a retirement asset. You know, it's part of my retirement. So when I do sell it, that's retirement money. So. Sure. Um, and, you know, on the personal level, we've, we've talked about what does our next house look like, and we we're, may we're be 10 years away from that next house yet. Yeah. You know, and uh, we've talked about uh, maybe living and or working in Europe or in some other part of the world, because Georgianne could really work anywhere. Nice. Um, and, and instead of a house in Arizona or a house in Florida, you know, we might have a house in the south of France, and, or we might just rent something for six months in the south sure. of France, and have Try friends, it on, friends come visit, have the kids come visit, and um, so, you know, I, I've uh, one of my life goals that I haven't really started on yet is to write a book. Oh, 
So that's on my list of things to do. So we, we've been considering retirement strategies and thinking about what we do, how we spend our time, you know, as, you're, uh, as you age and your ability to do things declines or your desire to do things declines. And you've got to think about where do you spend your time? How do you find purpose? That's, that's important, you know, at every stage of life. So, yeah. so we've been working through that. That's not an easy question. So well, those big existential questions yeah. require a little yeah. bit of effort. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, great. So, so I want to be respectful of your time. Um, and so, how? What's the best place to? If people want to find out, like for example, current inventory, what's the address uh, for the Dolce website? DolceVitaWine.net. www.DolceVitaWine.net. Uh, that's got what we've got. You know, it's. Okay, cool. Well, Dan, thank you. I appreciate all the time. This has been a great conversation. I mean, okay. I've known little bits and pieces of this. It's it's nice to have the opportunity to get to visit with you sure. and kind of sure. string it all together into into one story. And and uh, you know, just congratulations on all the success you've had. I know it's been a challenge for people going through COVID, and yeah. you know, it's yeah. really nice to hear you know some positive success stories of you know pivoting and doing it successfully. So thank okay. you very much. Good. Well, thank you.